You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? Welcome back to another episode of Locked On NBA Draft. This is for Tuesday. If you listen to yesterday's episode Monday uh, regarding red flags and top prospects for 2022 with Rafael Barlow, I've got Rafael back again. He is going to be here quite a bit on Locked On NBA Draft this week. Rafael, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk on this episode about some European prospects. Rafael is probably the sharpest mind in really all draft Twitter, but especially when it comes to Europe and overseas. So figured I want to get everything right on this when talking about the European and overseas prospects. So we're going to dive into some names there, including Usman Jang, Gabriel Proshida, Hugo Besson, Nikola Jovic, and Yannick Nzosa. But first, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. So let's just dive straight into it. Talk, talk to me about just the general overview of this 2022 class in the overseas and especially in Europe. What's there to like and what's what's some of the holes in it? Uh, I mean, I think there's could possibly be two guys in the in the top 10. Um, and, and I'm saying that possibly because, you know, it's it's still so early right now. And I know, at least for me, every year when I look at the top 10 projected draft picks in August or September, it's usually totally different by the time June rolls around, except, you know, maybe like the first two. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think Yannick Sosa has a chance to be a top five pick. I also think Usman Jang, who is playing, he's, he's French, and he's playing in the um, Australia's Next Stars program. I forgot to mention Sosa is playing in um, – He's playing in Spain. So I think those two guys could possibly be selected in the top 10. There's um, Gene Montero from, he's actually from the Dominican Republic, but he played in Spain for Gran Canaria the last couple of years. And he's actually going to be playing here in the States for overtime elite. And then there's Nikola Jovic, not to be confused with Nikola Jokic. However, they're both Serbian. And they're both skilled, uh, but Jovic is more so of a, a four, in my opinion, while obviously Jokic is a, a point center. But those are the guys that I, I think for sure will be in the first round. And then there's also um, Roko Prakacin, who a lot of people heard about. He flirted with the draft in 2021, but I think he, he'll likely come out in 2022. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up Roko because he's someone who – if anybody who's listened to this podcast of my shows, you know, they, they know I'm a big Roko fan. I had him yes. at one point as high as 15 and 14 uh, on my board. I think that might've been a little bit much in hindsight, but I still think he's safely top 25. So I'm really excited to see what he does this year. I'm still torn if whether or not he can actually improve his stock really from what he was this year. What do you think on him before we dive into the rest of the guys? That's, that's a tough question as far as whether or not he'll be able to improve his stock. I, I thought he was at least going to get a first-round grade. But you never know with, with Europeans. Um, I don't know his contract situation, so it could have been a situation where he had a buyout that could have been pretty steep. 
and um you know maybe the contract ends i know that was an issue for a few guys that had some buyouts around like seven hundred and eighty thousand dollars and if they were going to be two-way players or even like late first round picks um the teams weren't going to pay i mean there's situations like usman garuba i want to say i forgot what his bout is i want to say it's like two million euros so essentially if I do the math correctly, he might be playing like his first two years for free, but he'll likely end up getting his third picked up. So um, as far as Rocco, I, I sort of have to say this. I don't know why he decided to to not enter 2021 when I thought his stock was high, but it, it could have been a buyout situation or he could have just decided that, you know, I know he would have been one of the youngest players. So he could have decided another year could could help him out. So it's a gamble and we'll, and we'll see if it pays off for him. Yeah, and for like you said, he's one of the youngest players. He's 18 until Thanksgiving, which is pretty wild. So he's that's a rivals like what Alexei Pokuchevsky did for 2020. But he's still part of a good 2022 international class. I think it's definitely one of the deeper ones, at, at least from like the surface level introductory uh, basis that we've gotten from it. You know, every draft generally, I think 2019 is only one in the last five years that didn't have an international player in the top 10, but most other years have had two top player, two players internationally, excuse me, go top 10. Do you think that'll happen this year? Just, you know, bold prediction from, from the out, like, uh, I guess from the beginning. You know what? Like on one hand I say, yeah, but the two guys that I think could go top 10 have some situations that could possibly really hurt them. Like for example, with Sosa, um, he's playing for a team in Malaga, Spain. But the he may end up playing behind Michael Eric. Michael Eric is a guy that has played in the NBA for a little while, played in the G League. He's played, you know, high level. He he was on Sheska last year. And honestly, I think Michael Eric would be is a better player today, which matters more in Europe than it does in the NBA. So there's a chance that he could end up not even, you know, starting coming off the bench which could hurt his um, his stock, maybe even his development a little. And then as far as like Usman Jang, he's going to the same team that RJ Hampton went to. And remember, was it 19? Was it 2019 or 20? Whatever it was. I want to say well, around this time, 2019, RJ was projected as a top 10 pick. He went yep. to New Zealand, played for the Breakers, didn't have the, the best role on the team. Um, they kind of had him standing in a corner, which, you know, if there is one area of RJ's game that was a concern two years ago, it was his outside shooting. I mean, you can make a case and say that now. And so RJ didn't really have the season that I, I thought and other people projected that he would have and it ended up hurting his stock as he ended up falling to the late first round. So hopefully the same situation doesn't happen with, with Jang, but you know, it is a possibility because he's going to the same the same exact team. And he's also a guy that needs the ball in his hands to be really effective. And so um, that that's something to, to, to pay attention to throughout the season. Yeah, I mean, if if I mean, we should just dive right into Jang because he is so intriguing being I mean, he's listed at six, seven, but I don't I don't know how accurate that is. I think I've seen him listed taller than that around six, eight, six, nine. Um, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but, you know, being 18 years old until May, he's going to be a brand new 19 at the draft and he's a shot creator at his size. He on, almost reminds me of like from a very, very surface level 
um, you know, I guess evaluation is that he almost reminds me a little bit of what Zaire Williams could be. And they have similar skill sets being that big shot creator. What, what all do you like about his game and what are, what do you think of that very surface level uh, comparison? I can see it. I can definitely see it. So I got a funny story. I was in LA. I don't know. I guess it was about a month ago at, at this time. And I went to go watch some guys play pickup basketball and uh, I saw Jang playing. So Kevin Looney was playing this game. Um, that's probably the only name that most people will recognize. And so I saw he had like the, the French national team shirt on. Then I looked. And of course, I went on Google and it was it was definitely him. So I had a chance to talk to him. I'd say he's about six, eight. I'd say he's about six, eight. Um, I wouldn't say like his performance in his pickup game was anything special. I, I caught the tail end of the runs. So, you know, guys were tired. But I heard he had been dominating all week. And um, one guy mentioned that he thought that he was like a Michael Porter type. So I've seen Michael Porter Jr. I've seen Paul George comparisons. And then like literally like three days after I ran into him, I saw on Instagram and, and Twitter that he worked out with Paul George. And then uh, but the Zaire Williams one is, is new. I haven't I haven't heard that one. But I could see it. I mean, as far as like the upside as being a six eight, six nine big wing creator, they both have the the upside of being, you know, shot creators as far as being able to pull up over the top and shoot over defenders. So I could definitely see it. Yeah, I mean, he's gonna be one of the more polarizing players, I feel like, in this draft, just because he's international and his skill set can somewhat scream boomer bust, just like from a looking at it from the outside. Um, so someone else who I know you brought up, you're also very high on is Yannick and uh, Sosa. He, yep. if you search his name, Raphael's work comes up immediately. So that first really? of all, I recommend that enough. I've seen, I've seen. Is, the it, is it on, on what was Google? that? You on Google? Yeah. If you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you type in, if you type in Yannick uh, Sosa, he is the, you have all the first results. Like I, I'm pulling it up now. The NBA draft junkies video you put out a month ago is the top result. Uh, so I hit pulls up like with Wikipedia and then it's his videos and then it's you. So you got that out there. Um, so obviously you are the Yannick guy for me. You've been high on him since even before the 2021 draft took place. Talk to me about him and tell me on why he should be that top international guy, if that's what you believe or where you stand on him. So, um, he has a skill set that fits the modern day, the big, the modern day NBA big, but here's the, the really weird thing about him. And I, I had this conversation with uh, Ignacio Rosoto from ID prospects. If there's a such thing as someone being raw and polished at the same time, I know it doesn't make sense, but it is so, so on one hand, when you watch him play, you can tell that he's raw. He has this I'm trying to think of the best way to word it. It's like this very, I don't know. Like he looks like he's just learned how to play basketball. And someone said, look, if you go out there and you play hard and you sprint the floor in every possession, that's all we need you to do is sprint the floor, block shots. And he does it like he takes pride in being the first one down the floor. He takes pride in blocking shots. And even like his offensive game doesn't look polished, but he has good touch. And usually if you see someone that is a raw prospect, they don't have touch. Well, he has good touch around the rim. So 
when he's like being used as a pick and roll man, he has just a nice soft touch finishes. And that's why I think his upside is so high for a guy that is raw compared to like a guy like Abu Baji. I'm, I'm a big Baji fan who is a freak, freak athlete, but he's raw. He doesn't have the same touch or feel, even though they're both raw. Sosa just seems like he just has a, a higher advanced feel for the game to be so young in his development. I think he's only been playing like five years. Yeah. And I mean, that's going to sell almost anybody. I think being the young, you know, raw with very reasonable room to fill in his game. And when you have the pick and roll, I mean, I, I feel like he's going to translate pretty easily as a role man in the pick and roll. If you have that as a big man, you've automatically set yourself up for a decent flooring score or scoring for, excuse me. Um, but I just think that, like you said, I mean, you can fill in the rest of his game. And, and if he's raw and he gets the right coaching, it just feels like he has the upside to be that top, you know, not necessarily the best center in the league or anything, but like our best big man. But he could be something where he's one of the more productive guys. He could probably flirt with being top 50 at any point in his career. I personally, like I'm pretty high on him as well. And I think that all that stuff could be said at some point with his upside. So um, do you have anything else you want to add on to Yannick before we go to break real quick? Yeah, man, I just think that early in his career, he's going to be a, a guy that's going to block a lot of shots. I mean, he has an incredible timing for blocking shots and he has the fluidity and length to be able to switch out. And, and you just kind of defend wings, at least, you know, match him step for step. He's not going to be a liability on the defensive end. And I mean, he's fast, like, this is probably a bad comparison, but I think he has like Anthony Davis speed as far as just running down the court. And I mean, he's definitely not on Anthony Davis's level, but as far as just being able to blow by guys and hard for, for bigs to match from step by step and open floor, I think he has that type of skill set. Yeah. And that's like one of the most, probably the very most coveted skill you can have as a big man. So, yep, yeah, that's yeah, that's- just how he transitions from, defense to offense is what can make him special. Like he can ultra shot at the rim and still be the first man down back. So I, uh, I think that's like you said, a, a very valuable skill set. Yeah, no, I, I, I personally am a big fan of that. I, I was huge on Justin Patton in 2017, unfortunately. And that was something that like he ran the floor and he was blocking shots and there was no slowdown time in that. And that's valuable. Obviously Justin Patton, Probably the worst name I could use in this situation, but I mean, it still matters for something. He's from my hometown. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to give you hometown, hometown credit there. <laughs> it's all good. So when we come back, uh, we will talk about Nikola Jovic, Gabriel Prashida, and Hugo Besson. But first, just a quick word uh, from our sponsors. Sweatblock is a number one seller on Amazon and doctor-created, doctor-recommended deodorant. It can sound too good to be true because it has a dry shirt guarantee and it works beautifully and it lasts forever. It can last a really long time, almost up to 24 hours. For me personally, I have used Sweatblock and I cannot say enough good things. I've tried various brands because I sweat a lot and my deodorant wears off uh, as much TMI as that absolutely is. And Sweatblock does the job. I can play basketball and come back and not smell terribly. It is a beautiful product. If you or someone you love is dealing with sweat and, you know, any sweat difficulties, 
give them Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or at Amazon and CBS. It's football season, and you know what that means. Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface and even more odds, props, and contests, betonline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code locked on, and that's one word L O C K E D O N. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, welcome back to Locked On NBA Draft. Again, joined with my fellow co host, Rafael Barlow uh, from NBA Draft Junkies. We are going to talk about Nicole Jovic, Hugo Besson, and Gabriel Persheda. Uh, let's start with Nikola Jokic, the Nikola Jokic imposter. I, I, I fully expect him on draft day to just pull out those, you know, the fake mustache and glasses, uh, <laughs> wearing like a Nuggets 15 jersey or something like that. Like he, he has to live up to this meme potential. But talk to me about Jokic for, and tell the people who haven't seen him play what there is to like and what's to his room for improvements. Yeah, I like him a lot. He is another one of these Serbian guys that at a plus height of 6'10 or more is skilled with guard skills. He's a good passer, good court vision. I've jokingly wondered, like, what do they have in their water there as far as the development? I mean, they're a small country. I don't even think they have 5 million people, I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, they've been producing NBA talent lately. Um, I mean, obviously, most notably – um, Jokic, you got Bogdan Bogdanovic, you got Pokashevsky. And I mean, this is a team or a country that in 2016 played in the uh, the gold medal game against U.S. in the Olympics. So they have the talent there and like they don't produce like these overly athletic guys. But one of the things that you can usually find from a Serbian prospect is their passing and they're very skilled. And Jovic definitely fits the bill. Um, can possibly play maybe not necessarily point forward, but he's a guy that you can put the ball in his hands and he's going to make decisions. What I do like about him that's a little bit different is in my opinion, it looks like he watches a lot of Jason Tatum film and sometimes that leads to bad possessions, but he likes to get the ball in the mid post and, and kind of face up and he, he shoots some tough contested shots, but you usually don't see like, European prospects that have this one-on-one, you know, take it to you, take it to you style of play. They usually play like a more team-centric style, but he he definitely can't play the, the team style, but he does have some one-on-one. He does like to, like I said, in the mid post. And if he gets a smaller guard on him or a smaller wing that is not as strong as he is, he's definitely looking to take advantage of of that matchup. So I like him because he has the skill set and like I say, he can play a team style, but he also has the the mentality and aggression to try to score 25 points per game. So that's what I like most about him. Yeah. And all that being six ten, And like yeah. you said, I mean, I don't know what's going on in Serbia. First of all, that they keep producing such good talent when they're the, they have the same population as the state of Arizona, who doesn't, <laughs> I don't think they have a ton of NBA players either, but it's pretty impressive. And also people named Nicola who are these big passers is just remarkable, but that combination <laughs> of size 
skill, isolation ability, and passing ability is just really intriguing. I don't know where you stand on him, but I mean, I've seen people say I would take him top 10. And I, do you agree with that? Uh, I know it's too early, but like it's, it's early, but I like him. Stream. I like him. I would, I mean, I would take a fly on him. Um, I think that he is more, well, one of the things I think he's a good athlete, but he's not like a great athlete. So he's kind of like a below the rim finisher. He's one of these guys that he looks athletic if he has a runway, but as far as just like being like this quick twitch explosive athlete, no, that's, that's not him. But then again, you can make a case and say that about a lot of guys that are projected to go in the top five. So if, if that's the one knock on him is that he's not an elite athlete, then you can definitely say that he should be worthy of, of a, a top 10 pick because you can say that Paulo Banchero is not a, elite athlete neither is Patrick Baldwin or um you know a lot of the guys that a lot of people are high on so I, I can see that yeah and I mean the only time that athleticism for him I feel like would hold him back is when he's going against bigs that can handle him on the drive like say he's going against someone like DeAndre Aiden I feel like you need to be kind of a great athlete to beat him in a lot of areas yeah. whether it's at the rim or getting to the rim but for the most part, that's not going to hold him back in a lot of possessions. So, yeah, I, I think he's a safe lottery prospect at this point. Obviously, the season has to play out, which does start, um, I believe it's now within a week, I think five days now, that, uh, obviously, you know, different leagues and everything. But uh, most of the leagues right now are starting roughly next week. I don't know when uh, Mega starts. Do you, when does their season begin? I'm not sure. I haven't even seen them play any any friendly game yeah I think. I, I think they actually just started because Rocco's team from last year uh and some of the other teams in that league have played some exhibitions but I think it just began like on Monday like on the 13th so it's probably still almost a month away yeah but, it's you know Europe is weird like some teams start in September I mean I know when I was out there Spain did not finish until I mean, it was like June, <laughs> so yeah. it, it, it's it's just, you know, a bunch of different countries, different leagues. So nothing is really unified. Yeah. So one other uh, one other guy to talk about is someone that I know both of us know this person um, that has been very high on him. Uh, one of our guys we both talked to a lot. Thunder Dustin has been huge on Gabriel Prashida. He tried selling me on him in 2021 draft saying this is the steal of the draft. I didn't believe him. And then you came along and, and you were like, oh yeah, this guy's great. And I was like, well, I clearly was in the wrong not to give uh, my guy Dustin the time of day on him. So talk to me about Gabriel Prashida. I, I like him because I like the role that I think that he can play. I think it's, it, it would translate. At first, I wasn't high. Like when I watched his film, it didn't really pop out to me. And I, I don't know if, if you're the same way, but like when I watch a guy's film, it's kind of like listening to a song. You know, the first 10 seconds, you know, if you like a song or not, when you when you download a CD or, or who's downloading CDs, I'm sorry. But when you, when you download an album and so like the first maybe couple of games of this film, I just did, did not like it. But the more and more I watched, I saw that he's a, a, a quick trigger. He's should be able to at least be a floor spacer. He's a good athlete. And 
I mean, he's probably one of the best athletes in this draft as far as from the international standpoint. Bouncy athlete, should be able to defend multiple positions due to his athleticism, but he's also like this hustle guy. Like he gets at least one to two offensive rebounds, extra possessions per game. So I think he needs to like work on his ball handling a little bit. He's not one of the European prospects that is like this skilled passer that you can run pick and rolls with. I think he shows some flashes of it there, but I think that his role ultimately is going to be a three-point shooter. I think he's shot like 38% from three over his last two years, really one full year, but his last two years playing professionally. And he should be able to score in transition, but also, like I said, make hustle plays and defend. So, like I said, I like him because I think that he has a translatable role that you should be able to plug and play in any system. Yeah, it feels like he could be three and D pretty safe when he's six, seven plays in Italy. Their season starts up and I think it's about a little bit over a week from when this episode drops uh, the middle to end of September. Do you see him at all having any on ball potential offensively? Or do, you th- or do you think that's probably his weakest area? I think it's his weakest area. His handle needs to be a, a little tighter. He did a little bit at the under. Sheesh, I don't even know. Wait, wait. Well, it's like 2019. So I guess it was like the under 17s or under 19s. I'm not for sure which age group it was. But I had to go back into his film of him playing with his age group to see if, if you know, he could handle the ball a little bit. He showed some flashes there. He's he's shown to be a better passer in that setting at, than he was in the you know playing as a pro but i think his role is just to come in and kind of be a microwave score energy guy i think like if you look at his numbers i mean he's he puts up like <laughs> i forgot the, the totals it, it's something crazy but he puts up about like i i, I want to say three threes per 15 minutes so when he's in he, he's letting it fly um, but as far as on ball, I haven't really seen much of it in the professional level. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a pretty quality at the worst second round pick. And and obviously being an international second round pick isn't nearly, I don't want to say an uphill battle, but I mean, you're not you're not facing the same obstacles as like collegiate players who are second round picks. You know, the, those guys have a lot more of an uphill battle, I think, because they come over immediately and things, contracts, everything like that. The development curve is different being you know if he's a second round pick with that translatable skill which i also can see the light uh as a three and d wing at six seven it's pretty you know prototypical uh i think he's got a spot in the league obviously we'll see how he does this year in italy season starts up again in two weeks a week and a half so it'll be really interesting so last one um talk to me about i want to i wanted to add something real fast i think it's harder now for international prospects as second round picks with two-way contracts now i think it's a little bit tougher now simply because if they have a, a any type of buyout then the buyout could potentially be worth more than their salary and i think that's why this year like maybe like the week before the deadline you saw all these international guys pull out so i think it's going to change i mean i think the two-way contract has definitely changed how teams draft prospects now so he could be in a situation to where if he's not a first round pick and he has a, a buyout, then he could be stuck. Yeah, that's actually a good point. I hadn't thought about it in that light. That's actually a really good point. If yeah, I mean, like Yoko Bidas, for example, he 
played summer league, but he's under contract for, I forgot. I don't know exactly what he signed for with Barcelona, but if the Knicks were to try to bring him over, the buyout is going to be like 780,000, which means he could be playing, you know, for free <laughs> if, if he's on a two-way deal. Cause I mean, even with a two-way, I don't even think you can max out at 700,000. So that's why I think it's tougher now for European guys, at least if you're in the States and if you're drafted in a second round, you're probably going to go to camp and, you know, summer league and so on. But now it's, it's, it's tough. I think guys are going to end up waiting until their contracts are over Which some guys sign their contracts, like five-year contracts to like 16 or, or 17. So I think you're going to start seeing more, international players that aren't guaranteed in the first round come over to the league at like 23 and 24. That's actually a really good point that the two way changes the international game. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't thought of it that way. Well, uh, I didn't either till Vrins till, you know, the whole situation yeah. with Vrins. Yeah. And, uh, he had teams that wanted to draft him in the thirties, but he, he just had a, a crazy buyout. So nobody was willing to pay the buyout. Yeah, that whole situation was so rocky. Yep. Well, when we come back, um, we're going to talk about Hugo Besson and then just preview a little bit of the EuroLeague in terms of teams and everything like that. Uh, but qu- uh, real quick, though, just a quick word from our sponsors. Rock Auto has been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years for auto parts customers. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership when there's Rock Auto, which has a reliably low price for every single customer and a remarkably easy to use website to find any specific part you want from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet, filter, whatever you need, you're rock auto has it for your car go explore their easy to use website to find the solution to your auto parts needs go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on with two words l-o-c-k-e-d space o-n and their how did you hear about us section so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com And welcome back to Locked On NBA Draft. Again, joined by Rafael Barlow of NBA Draft Junkies. Rafael, so I know this is someone else who you've also dived into. You're great at international scouting, as long as well as collegiate scouting and just all-around basketball scouting, of course. But um, talk to me about Hugo Besson. I know he is someone else who we talked about the New Zealand Breakers. He's on the New Zealand Breakers um, and played in France, I believe, last season in the B-League. Talk to me about Hugo. I like him a lot. He's fun to watch. He has this, this style or flavor to his game. I mean, he's an aggressive scorer, but he he plays like Austin Reeves in, in a sense. I was an Austin Reeves fan, and I see some similarities there. Besson was the leading scorer in France's second division. And uh, so, yeah, now he's going to Australia, which is an interesting move. I mean, Prior to this year, I didn't really see European prospects take the um, the jump to Australia, but I think there's maybe four or five guys that have done it this year. So I'm, I'm curious to see how how that works out. But Besson is a scorer. Guy shot about 36% from three on a good volume of attempts. And even though he shot 36%, it's a respectable number. 
I think he's a better shooter than the numbers indicate. And the reason why his numbers are around 36% is because he was a guy that took a lot of bombs, a lot of contested threes late in the shot clock. But once he gets his feet set, he, he's a pretty good shooter. He can create off the dribble. And even though he's not like this great athlete, he was very, very efficient finishing at the rim. So he's the one that I'm looking forward to. I think he slid under the radar. And I know people have been, I mean, giving me these big shoes to fill as this international prospect, international scout. But I was not familiar with Beston's name until late in the draft process. So he definitely slid under my radar. Hey, I mean, that makes two of us. I, I hadn't known who he was either. So no shame in that one either. There's so many international players too. And I mean, there's so many international teams and it's hard to keep track of everyone. So no, no worries on that. And I know you said, you know, his shooting isn't exactly, doesn't stand out at 36%, but he still shot 80% for the season last year in France and from the line, excuse me. And of course, as we know, free throw percentage is a really strong indicator of jump shooting success. And being able to be that 80% shooter really stands out. He will be 21 by the 2022 NBA draft. Do you think that matters that much for him? Uh, I don't know, man. I'm still kind of torn the fact that we're in this world where if a guy is 21, it's like he's yep. close to he's, – he's reached his prime. <laughs> Let's take this 18-year-old who hasn't done anything because he's 18. Uh, but, no, I think that – um. I, I, it may hurt him a little bit, but it could put him in a position to where he's not drafted, but he's able to pick a team to go to the to the best situation. I actually know his agent. He has the same agent as as Rudy Gobert, uh, Evan Fournier, Victor Wimbayama. So he has a, a strong agent that can definitely make some some moves for him. So um, I think it'd be. I think it could be strategic on their part what his next move is, because if he's not a first round pick, then they may just kind of try to put him in a situation where he can go pick his own team and, and, and pick the best situation for him. Yeah. And, and I mean, with, uh, with Besson, I mean, like you said, with 21 year olds, it, it's so weird to me because the difference between a 21 and 22 year old is not that big. And I don't really think the difference between a 20 and a 22 22 year old is really even that big. And, and when you have someone with his skill set, obviously six, three, it's not like the most desirable height, but kind of the same thing where it's like, if you're not like six, five or something as a guard, you're seen as small, which I don't know, six, three seems pretty standard to me. I don't know what the exact numbers are. Maybe it isn't, maybe I'm off base, but it feels like just a lot of the optics just don't favor him based on narratives and where they are. So I'm yeah. interested to see what happens with him. Um, do you have a prediction of what draft range he has? For this year, if he comes out in 2022. Oh, no, not not right now. Um, he's someone that I could actually see going to Australia and putting up big numbers. But, you know, in today's NBA, sometimes a guy that puts up big scoring numbers, sometimes it's like frowned against, especially if teams don't think that the player will play the same type role in, in the NBA. So, I mean, that's why you see like three and D guys getting drafted higher than guys that are like pure scores. And so for best, and he's a guy that definitely needs the ball in his hands. I think he can be like a combo, but I see him as like a microwave score, maybe not like Cam Thomas level, but if, if Cam Thomas can, um, you know, find that role, 
late in the first round, then I, I think Besson may be able to. But then again, you know, we're talking about the age difference here. Cam, you know, is you know, if he stays in college until he's 21, then he's probably like a second round pick, you know? Yeah. I mean, Cam, I mean, this year, whole year, first of all, Cam Thomas also everything that came with him, like barely made the first round. And I think this year had a record number of players that were either freshmen or under 20, something like that chosen in the draft. And it feels like every year we say that. So it's just so yeah. weird that it's an uphill battle, but yeah, I mean, his skill set, like you said, I mean, that Austin Reeves, a kind of shot creator and, and the score and the, just the volume and electricity and that scoring, like that stands out. And if a team like the Nets who needs that, you know, every year the title contenders need to add someone like that. It's always going to be one of the same, like what five title contenders need to add a volume score off the bench. That's where Besson makes sense. And he's also probably not going to be, you know, depending on what the buyout and everything is, there's some ways where he could be a cheap option one way or another. So yeah, I like it. I agree. I agree hundred percent. Yeah. So um, one thing to close this out. So the Spanish ACB is the one that they start first in Europe. As far as I'm concerned, they start this upcoming Saturday, September 18th, who, I guess like uh, if you've looked at it, what are some predictions you have for the season or what are some things to watch and who are some players to watch that we haven't talked about? Well, Real Madrid has at least to my knowledge, 10 NBA prospects. But, you know, a lot of them are on their junior teams. Maybe a few of them may sneak and get some minutes here and there on, on the senior team. So it's kind of tough to evaluate European prospects because a guy could be too good for the second division team, but not good enough to crack the rotation on the main team. And now you're just kind of stuck trying to figure out, like, am I evaluating this guy based off of what he did two summers ago? Or am I evaluating him based off of what I see in warmups with his size? I, I think there may be one guy that is probably seeing some minutes that is 22 eligible. Um, I mean, he has like this, the weirdest background ever. I mean, his name is Tristan Vuk. I can't say his last name. Anyway, he is, he plays for Real Madrid. Tristan Vukcevic, I think. I want to say like his mom is Greek, his dad is Serbian, but he was born in Italy. Like he has like this weird situation with like four or five different countries in there. But I think that um, he could be someone that that uh, coming out of Spain that could play some minutes in the ACB. We talked about Yannick Sosa. Um, uh, we talked about briefly um, Ibu Baji, who may or may not get minutes on, on Barcelona. I know he started a friendly game a few days ago. Um, there's a Khalifa Diop or Khalifa Jop. He is a, a guy that is projected to be drafted in this in this draft. He's flirted with the last couple of years. He's playing for Gran Canaria. Um, I mean, like Spain is just loaded with international prospects. I mean, loaded with NBA draft prospects. It's just a matter of are they going to play on the senior team? So for me, I'm more interested in watching like second and third division Spain because those are where you're going to really see a lot of the prospects. And then also there's it. Um, he's only 14 years old. I think he may have just turned 15 this week. He is playing in Spain's ACB and his name is Basala Bagyoko. I had posted a clip of him a few weeks ago, but it's just crazy to see that he's 14 years old and he's playing in the, toughest domestic league in the world outside of the NBA. 
Yeah, I saw that post and I thought I'd found the only 14 year old that I had ever found as a prospect, which was from the FIBA U16s and Declan Derue from Germany, who is like yeah. this and who's he's really good. But you pointed and I'm not even going to attempt the name because I, I one don't remember and two, I don't I mean, to be honest, I, I just don't think <laughs> I get it. Um, but it is wild to me that a 14 year old is like a potentially a prospect. And I, that blows my mind. And the guy is good too. Like he is a literal pro. He's a professional and he is really good at it. Like he's probably going to be a guy in what, 2025, I guess that makes him 24, 25. And that's absolutely wild to me. Like that, that is such an unfathomable statement. I remember when I was 14, like I didn't know anything about what I was doing in my life, anything at all. And then this kid's playing pro basketball. <laughs> right. And he, he's in a weird situation. I think I, I read how he got his opportunity. The team was had some major, major budget issues and they couldn't afford like high level players. And I think it was budget issues, COVID and a combination of injuries that allowed them or made it necessary for them to pull him up. But I don't think it was necessarily in their plans for him to, come in and, and have to play games at 14 years old. Uh, I don't even know like the role that he'll play this year, but just the fact that he's on the team and he's getting valuable, valuable minutes, which is something that in Europe, you don't really see a lot of young guys get major minutes in the top league because like I tell people all the time, there's no reward for losing in Europe, only in the NBA the worst team you are, the the better your chances of getting a prospect in Europe. You know, if your team is bad, you can get moved down to the second division. So there's a higher incentive to win. So you usually don't see a lot of developmental minutes for, for young guys. So his is a unique situation, but it's something that I'll be keeping track of all year to see, like, you know, how well he plays if he's going to, you know, get a chance to play 10, 15 minutes a game. Does he look out of place? Because, again, He's 14 years old. And so no matter what league you're in, if you're 14 playing against grown men, you're definitely going to have some struggles. Yeah, absolutely. Who? Uh, so one last thing before we close this out. So there are 18 teams in EuroLeague this year. Who do you think uh, is the best team and who who's going to win it? And if you have, want to give like 30 seconds as to why. I know you've talked hmm. about a lot, you know, who some of the best teams are. You've told me about some of the big changes that I had no idea about. So I'm curious for your answer on this. Ah, uh, man, that's tough. You know, the thing I, I, I like about Europe that I wish we viewed it the same way in the NBA is like making it to the final four. It's like college. You know, if you're a final four team, it's because there's a label of it. You know, it's like you get more respect by going to the final four. You know, in the NBA, they don't really nobody cares i mean people do care but you know western conference finals i mean i'm a blazers fan the blazers went to the western conference finals a couple years ago and nobody cares so for europe it's just predicting like the top four teams i think um you know real madrid should be up there i think barcelona should be good um milan has has a good team oh as far as like the fourth team oh Ephes. Efforts from Istanbul, they, they should be good again. So I, I, it could really be the same four teams as, as last year. Um, but yeah, but those are those would definitely be my choices. But I definitely want to watch Osville with Wimbayama. That's probably the, the going to yep. be the, the biggest, 
Euro League uh, team that that draft Twitter is going to follow. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I definitely want to see how how he plays against grown men and and you know how he looks on offense and defense. But I think those would be the top four teams: Efes, uh, Barcelona, Madrid, and Milan. Yeah, Efes. I know without Shengun will be interesting. Um, he played right, for Besiktas. What was that? Oh, yep. Yep. Sorry. I got it. It was the Michik yep. uh, that right. uh, we thought was going to sign with Oklahoma nope. City and he ended up coming back. Sorry. Got my, got my teams backwards on that. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, I mean, I, I lived in Turkey. Those Turkish teams, I don't, <laughs> I live there and I can probably only name five teams. <laughs> <laughs> they, they're, they're all pretty tough. Well, I know Fenerbahce is, uh, if I, if I said that right, I mean, I, I know they're in the Euro League. That's always the constant. So, yeah, that was what I, that's what I was with when I was out there. Yeah, so and uh, they're in a rebuilding. I mean, they lost the, the the best coach a couple of years ago. Then they had Igor last year, and then now he's here in Dallas. He he's with the Mavs, Lucas guy. So, uh, but they uh, they they should be competitive. You know, Nicolo, Jan Vesely, those are their 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 main two guys. But you know, they're getting a little older. Yeah. It, it is, uh, it's really interesting seeing the box scores of a lot of these top European teams and you go, wait a minute, I know this guy. And then it's just a continued list of, Hey, I know this guy, you played in the NBA 2011 draft, you know, 2009 draft, whatever it is. And some of them are gone bestly the sixth pick and some of them are 50th picks. So you're like, Oh, I remember like researching this guy for no apparent reason. And he never yep. comes over anything like that. It's really interesting to keep up with your league, but, um, Raphael really appreciate you joining me. Um, tell them where they can find you and what days you do your locked on NBA draft. Yeah. Thanks for having me on any, any time to, to come on your show. I'm, I'm definitely open for it. Yeah. You can find me at Barlow B A R L O W E five zero zero on Twitter, NBA draft junkies.com. I'm trying to push myself to be better as far as putting content on my website. I've been mostly focusing on YouTube. I drop a YouTube video and I, I may post a link on Twitter and then I spend so much time on that video, I just forget to go upload it to my page. But I'm going to challenge myself this year to write more articles surrounding the videos and uh, try to put out maybe three videos a week between now and the end of the year. So that should put me at over 120 different prospect videos. And I plan on doing voiceovers for all of them. So I have some interesting stuff coming up. And best best case scenario I'm working on and trying to figure out the logistics it is to to spend this season in Europe so I can kind of have better information about some of the European prospects. But NBA Draft Junkies and on YouTube is where you can find me. Man, that is a lot to look forward to. Thank you so much for joining me, Raphael. Can't wait to see all of that come into fruition. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks. Thanks again for having me on. I appreciate it. No problem. See you next time.